On the date that this podcast is airing, it is March 17th, 2022, and that happens to be St. Patrick's Day. I'm just curious. We're not talking about St. Patrick's Day today, but I am just curious how many leprechaun traps have been made? (laughs) Are your kiddos or were your kiddos busy making the trap for that elusive leprechaun? How many milk cartons were turned green or Lucky Charm cereals purchased or cabbage for dinner? I'm just curious. Tell me, I want to know. This is a tradition that we have in our family and Even though my kids are growing up, we still participate. We still have so much fun. And when I was teaching, I used to love celebrating this day even more than some of the others because it's kind of sneaky and I like the sneakiness. So one of the things I used to do with my kiddos at school was I would hide envelopes underneath their chairs. They would have no idea because I would do it the night before. And those envelopes would stay hidden for the entire day. Of course, we had a green party, right? So I asked the parents to bring green grapes or green juice boxes or green apples or some of the things that were green. We would always have fruit for my parties. (laughs) And one treat, like maybe for this one, we would have the mint Oreo or a cupcake that had green frosting. Anyway, that was ages ago. But I would hold these envelopes underneath the chair and they would have clues for a scavenger hunt. And that scavenger hunt, of course, started by flipping over our chairs, which when you're in first grade, I mean, that's pretty much, (laughs) we could have ended the party right there. The teacher let us flip over our chairs and we would look around the room. We would look around sometimes the building, sometimes the playground, depending on how much time we had and had so much fun revealing the clues. This is also, by the way, for any of you party planners, this is a trick up my sleeve for planning a party at home. We would oftentimes do scavenger hunts for birthday parties. So much fun. Love that. Kids love it. I even love it when the kids do it for me. It is too much fun. Anyway, that's an awful lot about St. Patrick's Day. And that has nothing to do with our conversation other than, here's my tie-in, St. Patrick's Day happens in spring and it is almost spring. Does it feel like spring outside to you yet in your neck of the woods? Up here in the northwest, I have a camellia that is wanting to just burst. It is, the buds are so full. Daffodils are coming up. Cherry blossoms are happening. Forsythia are in full bloom. I mean, it is definitely, definitely time for spring up here. It is not, however, warm. So that's something that we can lament a little bit, but I do know that there's going to be several weeks of spring showers. Okay, who am I kidding? Several months of spring showers, and then July 4th happens, and then we get summer. (laughs) So what that means for me and my family is that we are still bundling for soccer games. We are still bundling for we're still dressing in layers the entire time until July 4th. I don't know why that date, but it just seems like that's the day that it decides to be summer where I live. So I'm hanging out for that. But we're talking about spring today in the podcast. And as it gets closer to spring, we are moving our home decorating from a clean, fresh winter slate to spring. So how do you do that? Of course, we can go back and listen to how we did it for fall and we can apply some of those strategies, but I have a few different ones for what to do for spring. So you're going to want to stick around if you are up for spring decorating, refreshing your home just a little bit this spring. That doesn't just mean bringing out the plastic Easter eggs. 
Of course, we want to do that for Easter fun too. But we're going to talk a little bit more in depth about bringing spring into your home and creating a landscape that feels spring both inside and out. All right, enjoy today's show. We grew up with the phrase, home is where the heart is, but our culture has shifted and now the message is, home should be Pinterest perfect. I'm calling BS on that message. Home, it's not about the stuff, it's about the story. And whether you know it or not, your home is a reflection of you and is already saying something. So what is it that you want it to say? Hey, I'm Danny, a former first grade teacher turned home decorator. Going from a dual income to a single income so I could stay home with my babies meant budget, like ramen eating, Goodwill shopping budget, and I learned a few things along the way, like how to bring big style to your home without breaking the bank, and I'm sharing it all with you. Tips, tricks, decor, and design advice so you can learn to tell your story with your style, where you can start living free from the Pinterest perfect trap and start living a life of intention. Welcome to Fig and Farm at Home, where we design happy living and where it doesn't have to be perfect to be beautiful. Today we're talking about bringing spring into your home, spring decorating in a way that feels grown up. It feels intentional. It feels like a deliberate ode to spring in a way that refreshes and renews and kind of gets your home feeling a little out of the winter slump. You know the winter slump, right? I mean, we all have it. It can feel a little like we're done with winter, (laughs) sometimes by January, but we're done with winter, we're done with the dark days, and we're ready for a little bit of light, we're ready for a little bit of warmth, and your home can actually land in that same space. We've already taken it out of Christmas, but that space between Christmas and when you start opening up your windows and you start doing the deep cleaning for spring, your spring cleaning, that space can be kind of slumpy also. And so we're going to take it out of the slump and we're going to bring it into spring with a refresh. This doesn't necessarily have to cost a lot or anything, actually. The four tips I'm going to give today are things that you can do by using the stuff that you have in your own home. And that's one of the wonderful things about decorating for spring or really any season is a lot of times, you know, thinking outside of the box a little bit, thinking sometimes outside of the home a little bit can help you enliven your space in a way that feels refreshed without having to spend a whole lot. So let's dive into four tips for really sprucing up your home for spring. The first tip is to start with a color palette. Now, this isn't just for spring. This can be for any seasonal decorating. It can be for any holiday decorating, and it can be even for any um, party planning. You can start with a color palette, and the color palette is going to act kind of like parameters to work within. So if I know that my color palette is three colors, Um, pink, yellow, green, for example, I know that that is going to be an indicator that I might put the excess away, or I might only bring out the things or highlight the things in my home that are those colors. So it really is a nice, a nice parameter to work within, because it can help you rein things in. If you are going to be spending uh, money on gathering some spring items, it can help you um, curb your spending a little bit. And it can really help you stay, do a little spring fresh. You know, last week we talked about over-decorating and sometimes we can 
really over-decorate. And sometimes over-decorating in your home can look like merchandising or staging, and we want to avoid that. And sometimes those color parameters will help you with that. So we're going to start with a color palette. Okay, so how do you do that? The first thing we're going to do is start with an inspiration piece. That inspiration piece should be something that you already own. You shouldn't have to go out and buy anything for this. It is something from your house, something from your garden shed, something from the garage, something from your closet. Go find some things in your home that remind you of spring. Now, I just did in our Facebook community, I just did a video and, and a teaching on this very topic. And I gathered all of my spring inspiration pieces to give you an example, a visual example of what you could be looking for. You might not need to watch the video, but if you would like to, I will link that video in the show notes or just come join the Facebook group where we do weekly teachings like this all the time. And I gathered these items and all of them had different color palettes on them. The idea is you're thinking about an inspiration piece that that first is in your home and second, it reminds you of spring. So I'm not going to be going to gather my winter boots. I'm not going to gather my um, sled that's really cool color. I'm not going to gather my ornaments from Christmas. I'm not gathering any of that. I'm gathering items that feel springy to me. That, of course, is going to look different for me than it will to grandma, than it will to Aunt Nancy down the street. It's going to look different. So some of the items that I gathered were an umbrella. I gathered some books, some art, a pillow. Um, I wore a dress that felt springy to me. Um, I gathered a even a soap dispenser. So your inspiration item can be so many different things. It can be textiles, textiles like pillows or blankets. It can be kitchen textiles like aprons, tablecloths, cloth napkins. It can be artwork. It can be books. It can be small decorating accessories like candle holders, uh, soap dispensers, vases, clocks, lampshades, things like that. It can be clothing. Of course, you're not going to decorate with the clothing, but it can be a starting point for you. A lot of the things that you are gathering as your inspiration piece will actually stay out in your decorating. So some of these items that I've gathered have different color palettes on them. For example, one of my books was blue and one of them was a blue stripey book. And the other one I gathered was was um, blue and white, but on the spine it had blue and pink and green and yellow. It was so colorful and that could have made a wonderful color palette, the blue, pink, green, and yellow. Now that's a lot of colors to start with a color palette, but that's okay. My pillow that I chose had some greens, different shades of greens, some lime green, some chartreuse, which is a really great color for decorating in spring, um, some mauve, some light mauves, and some deeper shade mauves. I had my umbrella, which was bright, bright yellow. I could have gotten my rain boots, which were blue and white. They're not super cute, however. They, they would be better on the front porch decorating <laughs> because I've used them so much in the garden. They have a lot of dirt on them. But if you have a fun pair of rain boots that you haven't really broken in yet, bring them out. Can they be used in your spring decorating? I brought out my apron. One of my aprons is um, pink floral, and the colors that are on there are muted corals and pinks and greens and they're some are faded some are a little bit more vibrant the idea here is that you're not using all of them 
for your inspiration piece. You're gathering them all to see which one feels most like me, which one feels a little bit like where I want the direction of my home to be headed this spring. That inspiration piece might look different today in spring of 2022 than it will next year in spring of 2023 or the year after or the year after. So which one speaks most to you today? Grab that one piece and then I want you to be mindful of the colors that are in there. So my spring decorating piece this year is the book. My spring decorating piece this year looks different than last year. Last year, it was the pillow. It was the one that had the chartreuse green and the light green and the mauves. This year, I'm going with the book. It is a decorating book and that jacket is um, kind of a vibrant blue with some pink, yellow, green. So I'm going to go for four colors in my spring decorating. So great. I have the color palette. I know that I have blue, green, pink. Oh, and I think there's yellow in there too. I'm not looking at it currently. So now what? Now you're moving to step two. And in step two, you are going to start gathering. The things that you're going to be gathering are going to be from that color palette. Now, one thing I would like to to mention too, is that if you are brand new to this, if this is something that decorating doesn't necessarily come natural to you, I want you to choose a color palette that might be two colors or maybe three. Mine has, I think, was that five? Blue, green, pink, yellow, four. It has four. It may be easier to start with two colors rather than four because we're going to be talking about creating um, a cohesive look and that happens with repetition. So that might be easier to do with two colors, um, three colors, maybe not four or five or more. But the more practice you get, then yes, bring in those colors. Okay, so you're going to be using that color palette to gather things from around your home. If you are going to be be going shopping and you are thinking, I would like a few new pieces for spring, keep that color palette in mind as you shop. Again, that's going to help limit your spending. It's going to help curb your enthusiasm just a little bit, but in a good way. And it's going to help you really hone in on making decisions because let's face it, we can go to home goods, we can go to Target, and we can again find so many things that we think, this is perfect, I love it, so cute. But this is where we can really quickly go astray if we're not really understanding our aesthetic. In this case, we're not working with our aesthetic, we're working with our color palette. Now, of course, if you understand your design aesthetic, that is also going to be a guiding principle. But if you're not there yet, or if you're even wondering and scratching your head, what is she talking about? (laughs) Okay, I'm going to stop here and tell you, I want you to come and join me next week in the Facebook community because we're going, going to do a live event on Tuesday evening, the 22nd. 5.30 Pacific time, where we're talking about going back to the basics. We're talking about that. If you can't make it to that live event, no worries. I do want you to go grab my Back to Basics mini course. It's five days free mini course, and you can learn all about that information there. But back to choosing that color palette or having that color palette be your guide and kind of that parameter that will help you make selection while you're shopping, if you are shopping, or while you're shopping your home, gathering the items from your home. So my color palette, blue, yellow, pink, green, I'm going to go throughout my home and I'm going to continue looking with fresh set of eyes now to see if there are things in each room of my home that might 
contribute to my spring decorating. I'm not necessarily just looking for the bunnies. I'm not necessarily just going to the garage where I have my spring box of decorations and I'm going to pull that out. Of course I'm going to. And if you have a spring decorating box, bring that out. But I want you to think outside of the box, quite literally. (laughs) I want you to think and go look on your bookshelves. Do you have any books that fit that color palette? Do you have any pillows that you've tucked away that fit that color palette? Any towels that you can bring out that fit that color palette? Do you have any candles? Do you have any artwork? Do you have any things that are hidden away, maybe in bedrooms, playrooms, closets that are tucked away behind doors that you can borrow from that area for the spring in order to highlight it in such a way that you can refresh the downstairs, the the main living areas, the living room, dining room, entryway, whatever rooms you have within your main living space. Do you have anything that you can bring out and highlight for just a season? It doesn't mean that if you bring it out, you can't replace it what was currently there later. You can replace it later after spring's over and you've moved on to other decorating. Okay, so these are the things I'm looking for. I am looking for pots for my plants. I am looking for, I'm looking for artwork. I'm looking for blankets. I'm digging in my closet and looking for those things. I'm looking for pillow covers. I do have a small collection of pillow covers that I've used in years past. And I'm going to go through those again and see if there's any pillow covers that would fit that color palette. I'm looking for candles. I'm looking for, I'm looking in the garage for any garden supplies that could make a really cute garden display. I'm looking for all of that. And I'm going to gather all of those items and I'm going to put them just smack dab on the dining room table. And that's where I'm going to start. We may or may not use all of those items, but at least it's a starting point. And my guess is that as you get started, you have those items, that first sweep of items sitting on your dining table. And as you start decorating your flat surfaces, your bookshelves, your your couch, all of that, as you start decorating those spaces, you will probably um, be brought to memory some of the other things that you have forgotten about. I bet you're going to find even more pieces as you gather and decorate and rearrange just here and there. So with all of the items sitting on the table, this is where I'm going to start thinking the areas where I want to bring spring in. I'm going to be thinking about the couches, the chairs. I'm going to be thinking about flat surfaces like mantles, entryway tables, credenzas. I'm going to be thinking about tops of pianos. I'm going to be thinking about bookshelves. That's where I'm going to be focusing my spring decorating on. Now, I do want to remind you that I do have that bookshelf styling guide that is available for you to really understand how to style flat surfaces. It's not just for bookshelves. It is for any flat surface, like any of the ones I just mentioned. Mantles, pianos, entryway tables, credenzas, hutches, any place that has a flat surface, my bookshelf styling guide helps address those areas because I teach a system that is all about understanding the foundations of styling. And we use a um, a five-part system, ladder, depth, height, texture, and repetition to really help you flush out all of those areas that are kind of tricky 
to style that can be over decorated, under decorated, or just abandoned altogether. So go check that out. It is in my design suite online. You can find that at bit.ly forward slash book style guide. And I will put that link in the show notes. Okay, so as you are putting each item and you're trying out each item that was currently on the dining room table and you're putting it throughout your areas of your home that we just mentioned, I want you to think about standing in one of those areas. Let's say you just decorated your dining room. You just put some of those colors, some of those objects from that color palette on the credenza that's in your dining room. If you're standing right there and you look around, where else can you see? What are you looking at? What rooms are you looking into? And now I want you to go from there. So you're going to be basically making a, if we could imagine us making a spider web and we start in the the credenza of our dining room and we draw an imaginary line to the next space from where we can see, go there. Go right there, and that's where I want you to decorate next. What can you bring to that space, that flat surface, that couch, from the items that were on your kitchen table? From that area, I want you to do another little spiderwebby line. (laughs) I'm sure there's another way we can call that, but I want you to go from where you can see from that sight line into the next area, and I want you to think about how you can style that area. You're going to continue doing this from sightline to sightline to sightline. And this is one way you can make sure you're creating that cohesive color palette. Now, of course, if we're sticking with the color palette we originally started with, with our inspiration piece, if as long as we have some of those colors repeated within each sightline, that is going to help create a cohesive look. Now, let's go to my color palette for real, for one second, because my color palette had four colors, so this is where it can get really, really tricky. If I have blue, green, yellow, and pink, and I'm starting in my dining room, and I have, maybe I, I am heavy on my yellows in my dining room, if I look straight away and my straight line is going to be in my library, I definitely want to have yellow repeated in there, but this is where now I might be able to bring in some of the pinks. But I can't abandon the pinks from my dining room. I still have to have an ode to pink. It doesn't have to be heavy pink because it's already heavy yellow, but maybe just an ode to pink. But maybe I'm heavier pink in my library. And then I go from that sight line to the entryway, and in my entryway, I'm going to have both yellow and pink represented, but now maybe this area is just a little bit heavier blue. And then from that sight line, I'm going down all the way down the hallway to my living room, where I'm going to focus on some greens, but I'm not just leaving with greens because that could be a bully all by itself. I'm going to also have some of the pinks and the yellows and the greens. So this can be a little... It can be a little tricky. What you don't want to do necessarily is start in one area and have heavy yellow and then heavy pink and then heavy blue and then heavy green. You want to make sure that you are having an ode to each of those colors. Each of those um, items in your color palette are represented, but they're not necessarily equal in terms of ratio. So you might have heavier pink in one area, but you have the green and the blue and the yellow. You might have heavier green in one area, but you have the blue and the yellow and the pink. You can see how if we have a color palette, our spring color palette, if our palette is limited to two colors, it is easier to have the continuation and to create that cohesive look. And every addition of color that you add adds one more layer of tricky to it. 
of course it is all doable it's all um, within reach but you just need to have a little bit of practice the third thing that we're going to do to bring spring into our home decorating is to think about all of the whimsical pieces all of the things that kind of fit outside of the decorating box but could make a really important and mighty statement so what i'm thinking here are that you might find in the garden shed you might find on your walk in nature you might find in your easter bin that you've tucked away in the garage these are some of the whimsical pieces that can really create fun vignettes throughout your home on those flat surface areas. So some items that I'm kind of thinking about are bird cages, moss, if you have ever collected, now this might sound a little silly, a nest. I have a bees hive in my garage waiting for um, my dining room table. It's going to have a cloche on top. A, um, a cloche is a glass dome that you can put on top of any type of round, whether it's like wood or a charger or a plate, but that beehive is going to look fantastic sitting on my table. You can think about twigs even, or did I already say moss or mossy branches? I live in the Pacific Northwest and a mossy, a mossy branch is a phenomenal spring addition. And if you don't want to bring it into your home, because yes, there probably will be some bugs, you could put it on your front porch. Of course, the moss, if it's out of the rain, it will start dying a little bit and drying out, but keep it until it's beautiful. It is such a wonderful little addition. Another thing I'm thinking about are things I might find in my potting shed or in my um, garden area. I'm thinking about distressed planters, distressed pots. I'm thinking about plant stakes. I'm thinking about ceramic bunnies that I might have that I pull out just for Easter. I'm thinking about even those cute little eggs or carrots that we have. These are all things that could um, added here and there, not an entire collection and not an entire um, ode to Easter, but just a little um, bunny sitting on your tablescape with the mossy background and uh, the, the candles and a one little bunny adds just a teeny tiny touch to spring without it feeling like the Easter bunny is coming tomorrow. Adding some of those whimsical pieces in unexpected ways really can be uh, conversation starters. They carry a lot of personality and chances are you can't really find them if you go to the home decor store. I know I'm not going to find a bees hive in Target. I know I'm not going to find one at Home Goods. I know that this is going to be a little bit more unique to my own family and it's part of my story even. This was found on a hike and of course if you're wondering, oh my gosh, are there any bees in it? No, it was completely dormant. It was completely not demolished because it's still intact, but it was abandoned. So we are all good to go. Thank you for your concern if you were at all concerned. <laughs> but it brings in a little bit of your personality and that is so much fun. That is what decorating is all about, right? If we think about our home as a canvas for storytelling, that's a great opportunity for bringing in things that really remind you of spring, that really light you up, that have been collections over time, have been, are indicative of where you live, like my mossy branches, or reminders of vacations you've been on. So if it reminds you of spring, and even if you might find it in the garden shed, there are no off-limits items that you can bring into your home to create that look. 
And the fourth thing that you can do in order to bring spring into your home decorating is to bring the outdoors in. And we've already talked a little bit about bringing in things like moss or mossy branches or even bees, hives, or nests. (laughs) But what about twigs? Have you ever thought about bringing in twigs and having those be corralled in a vase, corralled in a vessel, and sitting on your mantle, sitting on your tablescape, sitting on your entry table? And can we take it a step further and can you force the branches to bloom in spring? This is a thing and it's a beautiful, beautiful piece of spring in your home when spring blooms in your home. And you can do the same thing with bulbs. If you think ahead of time, you can force bulbs to bloom indoors. Tulips or daffodils or lily of the valley, you can force any of those to to bloom inside of your home and it can be a really lovely look. So for a couple minutes, indulge me. I am going to teach you how you can force branches. Now, in some parts of the country right now, it is probably already too late. I know where I live, it is already well into spring. We already have the spring blooms. And so if that is the case for you, tuck this information away and bring it out next January or February. Or if you live somewhere like the Midwest or the Northeast, now might be the time, actually. So here's what you want to do. When you go out for your next walk, you can bring your clippers and make sure they're really nice and sharp, that they're not dull, and you're going to clip a branch from a bush or a tree. Now, what I want you to hear me say is you're going to clip. You're not going to saw. (laughs) So if you are going to clip, the diameter of that branch that you're clipping is probably no thicker than your pinky finger. When you clip it, you want to clip it at an angle, And then after you've gathered several branches, bring them home, and then you're going to do a little bit more clipping. You're going to, at the base where you clipped it originally, you're going to split the branch by clipping it into fours. So like clipping a cross section in there. Doing that is going to allow room for absorbing water, and that's what we're going to do next. We want to make sure that our branch soaks up as much water as it can, and we want it to be really clean. So we can do that in a vase or a jar, but we can also do it inside of the bathtub. And if you do it inside of the bathtub, just make sure that the branches are clean first so that it's not absorbing any dirty water. If it's laying in dirty water, chances of it absorbing are going to be harder. It's going to like clog the pores, and we don't want that. So we're going to let it sit in that water for a good day, overnight. Go ahead and take it out, and then we're going to put it in whatever vessel you want it to be in. Now, we do want to make sure that we continuously change the water. We're going to change that water and make it brand new and fresh about every day or so, so that so that it has a chance to continue absorbing. Now here's where we need to be a little bit patient because right now just branches in your home could look lovely and we know that we probably don't need to water those branches but we want these blooms to come. So here's where patience comes into play because about two weeks or maybe four weeks later that's when those buds are going to start blooming. Each tree or bush are different and so it's going to be dependent on which things that you cut and there are some trees that if you have the opportunity to cut you might want to cut earlier in the season than later so here are a couple that you might want to cut in January if you have a forsythia or a witch hazel a poplar tree or a willow those would be really great ones to cut in January of course I know January has already happened but if you are listening and saving these ideas for later mark that one down February, 
good ones to cut would be red maples, alders, <clears throat> excuse me, service berries, apples or crab apple trees, rhododendrons or azaleas. They are already blooming in my area, rhododendrons and azaleas, so I know I am way too late for those. Birch trees and cherry trees. These are also ones that would be really good to cut in February to get that bloom started before they're actually blooming, which is what's happening here in the Northwest. But in March, these are the ones that you might still have the opportunity to go out and cut. You could cut a hawthorn, you could cut a honeysuckle, a mock orange tree, <clears throat> excuse me, an oak tree, a lilac tree, or a spirea. You could cut any of those and those might still be dormant enough in order to cut and force a bloom before it's ready to bloom out in nature. So give those a try and definitely take the notes and save those. Put those in your little planner, your little home decorating book, your little ideas for your home book, whatever you're saving these fun little ideas to, save it there and revisit it next January or February. So there you have it, four ways that you can bring spring into your home. Start by choosing a color palette and then using that color palette as your starting place, go and gather different items from around your home that fall into those color areas. And then don't forget the whimsy. Find things that remind you of spring that could be in unsuspecting places like outdoors on your walks, in your garden shed, even in the Easter bin in your garage. Just make sure that it is not a vignette entirely dedicated to Easter. We're just having a little teeny tiny touch of bunny or egg or carrot. Nothing too over the top so that we don't think that it's Easter decorating rather than spring decorating. And then, of course, bring the outdoors in, forcing branches to bloom even before they're quite ready. I hope that is inspirational for you as you start your spring decorating, gathering your your inspiration piece and choosing your color palette. I want to hear about it. What was it that you chose as your inspiration piece and what is your color palette because of it? Pop into the Facebook group and let us see. All right, girls, until next time, I hope you're all well. Hey, real quick before you go, if you learned something new or found value in today's podcast, would you head over to iTunes to Fig and Farm at Home and leave a review and subscribe to the show? That would be awesome. And if you'd like to connect with my community of mamas who are learning to be intentional storytellers within their own homes, join us at bit.ly forward slash design 101 group. There's always more room at the table. See you soon.